Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. everybody and welcome back to another episode of whiskey sex talk i am your host romeo and i am your co-host maria people who work with him achieve self-acceptance and are empowered to gain control of and become active participants in their own lives through non-traditional sex behavior ntsb counseling people achieve self-actualization and become the best the most disinhibited versions of themselves as director of NTSB for the Integrative Mind-Body Therapy, NTSB consultant, and end-of-life doula, his work reaches a variety of people and has helped hundreds rid themselves of shame and see and embrace their identities and, li- and live richer and more materialized lives. Joshua, welcome to the show. Hi, good afternoon. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? So I'm an end-of-life doula and NTSB counselor. NTSB stands for non-traditional sexual behavior. Essentially what that means is BDSM, but in vanilla language. Uh, the idea is to help people move past the, the fear of the phrase BDSM and the connotations that come with it, kink, leather, whips, chains, to really make the journey of sexual identity accessible. I do my end-of-life doula work to help those who are advanced age, advanced illness, uh, bring completion to their life before transitioning, particularly around their relationship with their sexual identity as well. Nice. So what led you to this path? Um, what, what was, what's your story behind that? So it's a, it's a long winding one. It starts when I was five. Uh, my aunt would come over and she would have nylons on. And I would rub them and they would stimulate me. And I would play doctor and house and, and cops and robbers <clears throat> with neighbors. And it would be innocent play, but there was always physical and sexual overtones to it. Just out of the basis of curiosity for sensation as we are as kids. As time progresses and as we get older, uh, society chops off parts of our identity into conformity, right? So that we're no different than everyone else and we could fit right in. And what that did to me was um, my identity was molded around culture, right? Like being a, a, a man, a boy in the 90s and the 80s, to access manhood, I had to have a lot of sex, right? The more sex partners you have, the more of a man you become. And that's what I led to believe for a long period of my time. Um, through that time, I married a couple of times. I had children. Uh, I broke up and divorced a couple of times. Um, through my journey of sexual identity, it led me to the swing community. And I dabbled in that for a very short time. And it was still, it wasn't for me. There was something missing. When I came across BDSM a couple of years later, maybe now, 
uh, around 15 years ago, uh, I made my venture out into trying a few things. In that process, I connected with a guy who, through conversation, he had asked me if I could help him experience a fantasy. And his fantasy was to be treated like a dog. To, um, to be abused like a junkyard dog, kind of. So we sat and we spoke about it. And in that process, I saw and I felt a person who just wanted validation. At the end of our session, he seemed relieved. He seemed, and I can't say the word sated because it wasn't sexual. It wasn't about a sexual appetite to fill. It was about who he was and being validated for who he was. You know, when you're in school, they ask you, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? For me, I wanted to help people. And that looked at first, I liked the military. I did the military for a few years. And there I went into law enforcement for about 10 years. From there I went into executive protection for another uh, eight years. And it was like, there was still something missing. When I got to work with this gentleman and I saw the light switch go off on him, in him, it was like, this is where I need to be. This is where I can be most effective in my intentions. That's how it fell into my lap. Uh, throughout life and experiences, I have a gay leather brother who has never come out the closet to his friends or family beyond his leather limit, leather uh, family. And the idea of him transitioning to afterlife is kind of painful if thinking that he'll never come out the closet and speak his truth. So end of life doula fell into my lap um, through my relationship with him and believe it or not, a puppy, uh, Max, who had died, uh, when I had seen him years after, probably hadn't seen him in like six years. <clears throat> when I saw him, he was blind. He was wearing a diaper. He, he, he didn't even recognize me until I walked up to him and he could smell me. And then he lit up and I was sad. Really. I'm a big dog lover. And I was sad because it's like, you're watching this aging puppy to me. <laughs> And there's nothing we could do. On the train ride back down, I reflected, I tried to reflect on the sadness of, um, well, let's think about all the cool shit that we did, right? And that helped bring me back to spirits, which in turn said, well, what about the folks who are dying? What about their truths and their ability to, to be happy and to reflect on life and to think about the things that they've succeeded on to help them reframe things on, um, their relationships and choices that they've made, right? Really helped them come into a better understanding of what their existence meant. So that's how, that's kind of how that progressed. So that's how you got involved with uh, the non, so this is your path. You started off in the BDSM and now you've used it as a non-traditional uh, sexual behavior counseling. And you're also on top of that, you're, you're, I'm a, let me get this correct. You're, the non-traditional sexual behavior is a therapy program or coaching, and it's also end of life doula. Those are those are two those are two different uh, avenues. Okay, they're very parallel. Okay, I can do the NTSB work with those who are transitioning to afterlife, and what that look what that would look like. For example, I have a, had a client who is diagnosed with cancer, and they came to me and they said, "I just want to feel beautiful one more time." before going through chemo and going through the rigorous stuff that cancer patients have to experience. Um, 
so that's where the parallel lies, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I need, I need to understand my life, my beauty, my intentions, my place before, like, why am I here? Uh, but they're not exclusive uh, to each other. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Now, um, the people that come to you uh, for the non-traditional sexual behavior, who are these people? What's What walk of life? Like, who are they? What's the age demographic? Because, you know, there it has to be specific type of individuals that have somewhat, I want to say, of an understanding of BDSM or are willing to start exploring uh, their sexuality through this type of method. So <clears throat> there's a couple, because I do one-on-one -on -one work. I do group intensives and retreats, and I also host events uh, pretty regularly. There's been a break because the venue closed here in New York, <clears throat> but I've hosted events for about 10 years as well. And the demographics range, the commonality, the people who work with me directly, generally like three quarters of my clients are men who are just approaching midlife awakening mm. and women who are approaching midlife awakening. And just before that, the women come sooner because there's a, there's a process of identity that happens. Just it's different. Men and women experience life differently. And the relationship with sex, intimacy, touch, emotions, everything's different. So the women I, I work with, now I work with everyone, all genders, all expressions. <clears throat> Please excuse me if I, if I use the words man and woman and male and female interchangeably. I know they're not the same. If I make a mistake, please forgive me and I'll correct it because I understand that trans folks also have legitimate experiences and their paths are very different too. Um, so the people that come to me to work with me directly are men in their late 40s, women in their uh, late 20s and up. They are going through a process of wanting to reconcile their relationship with their sexual identity, men, and the women are looking to feel safe and explore in a safe environment because society doesn't provide that so easily. Um, at the retreats, we have all walks of life. And at the events, we have all walks of life. There, there's no one too young. I'm sorry, 18 and up, no one too young as far as the 18, bottom. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then no one too old, right? It's like we have people who come out on, into this journey in their 70s, right? It's like there's something missing. And it, and it has nothing to do with the whips and chains. The whips and chains are like a cool costume or product. Right, of, right. They're just, they're just tools, yeah. right? right? It's like the purpose of it is just validation of our identities to find someone we trust enough to share it with and then to do fun, kinky shit with, right? If it develops up to that point, <clears throat> what I, what I teach everyone that works, walks through my door and that works with me is it's about communication and speaking your truth. Find your language, do the introspective work. Let's reflect, let's integrate. And then as you develop and understand your own self-value, you'll be able to hold space for others and, and determine whether they have access, they have earned the access mm -hmm. to your body, time, and resources. Because imagine, think about the person that you feel 100% yourself with mm -hmm. all the time. Imagine if you can use that as the bar 
for the connections you make for the rest of your life. Like what prevents us from doing that? From saying, this is how I want to feel as much as possible. And I need to surround myself with people who accept me like this. And it doesn't have to be kink. Just like anything to do with your intentions in life, your purposes, your beliefs. Just surround yourself with people who see and respect you. And life changes. Like depression could be cured if we just removed all the assholes from our lives. <laughs> most people, most people. The chemical imbalance is a whole different experience. But like, like it's like, that's. let's take a look here before we're searching for someone to, to fill these holes that we haven't healed ourselves. But no one taught us this. Right. right so it's like right. we're expected to do this blindly, the blind leading the blind, because ultimately everyone's winging it, right? No, right? no one knows what's going on. Right. So we're expected to grow. You hit 18, you become an adult. What? <laughs> like for those who have gone through their 20s and you hit your 30s, you're like, wait a second. My 20s was just really an old teenager. My 30s is where I start to get traction and start questioning myself. And then the 40s is where that shit hits a stride. Like, wait, a you start sh shaking loose. Now, some of it's positive and some of it's perceived negative. Right. That's why they call it midlife crisis. I don't think it's a crisis. I think it's an awakening. I think it's a look, wake up, right? There's more here and you feel it on the inside. How do we get to it? I I love that you said that, you, you know, you work with people that, uh, that you kind of tell them you need to speak your truth and we're humans. And at the core of it all, we're sexual creatures and Here's the irony is, yes, we all know humans are sexual creatures, but we don't understand ourselves sexually on that level. Yet alone, I think a lot of us, and I'm saying this, like we haven't done that type of uh, inventory, check our inventory and really, really understand ourselves on a sexual level. Yeah, I can say I'm into this, I'm into that, but am I really, really, is that going to create real genuine um, satisfaction and going through 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 that, right, like there is this shame through that process that we go through when we start exploring ourselves, our interest. You know, for example, BDSM, look at it. BDSM for so long and just until recently because of Fifty Shades, but that's a whole different story. But for so long, it's either you're a demented person, you come from a broken background. Yes, there might be some sort of, there might be people from that, but that doesn't mean that this doesn't help individuals. But what I'm trying to say is, is that there is this a lot, there's a lot of stigma around the sexual exploration or sexual, sexual wellness. And I'm all about really, uh, really learning whichever path we all into each individual takes to really, really start understanding ourselves on that level. Because I mean, the shame that happens when, there's still this shame. A lot of men experience shame when it comes to sex and people don't talk about it. And it was until recently I had Dr. Davidson. He talked about uh, how much shame men carry and the pressure and how in, there's a lot of insecurity that happens with men. But the thing that I, that I, we need to start kind of breaking down these walls and these barriers uh, to really, really not stigmatize or have stigmas about sex because the shame has to go away so we can lead truthful, happy lives and really lead sexual, an amazing sexual wellness and be able to exercise. Um, I'm talking a lot, but I want to say something. You know, the BDSM is the one thing 
that it's tied to porn and people think you're demented, you're this, you're that. I said that. But um, and then and it's either those two things. It's either you're that or they romanticize it, like has how, how we've seen recently with the industry that the Fifty Shades of Grey is. There's probably aspects to that that, that are true, but nonetheless, like that we, I I believe that there are things that we can work through, like these type of non traditional therapies that can help individuals. Honestly, um, I mean. We know this, and we see this, and the the research. I want to say is starting to come to light. Yeah, uh, I'm writing a book actually because it's called Healing Through Kink, mm. and the idea is, I have a process when I work with uh, my one on one clients. The process I have was developed when I was working with my one on one clients. Um, it's all based <clears throat> again introspection, reflection, and integration. Well, what we did. Uh, we being myself and my partners, we took that process and created a retreat uh, called the Power Exchange Academy with the intention of taking my process, the process that I created, and um, putting it into the hands of the attendees so that not only can they do the introspective work and getting the understanding, like you had said, uh, where does where do my desires come from? What am I interested in? Mm -hmm. What am I looking to experience? So we put that all into this intro introspective form where they fill it out before coming to the intensive. And then once they're at the intensive, after an intro and opening circle, some stuff happens before, like a half a day program before we go into this one-on-one -on -one portion. And what we do is we sit you in front of a stranger, another person in attendance, and we have you talk about this reflection, introspection uh, intake form that we had you fill out. Because it's not about kinks and fetishes. Mm -hmm. It's about purposes, intentions, and beliefs. Who am I fundamentally? And when we pair them together, we have them talk for four hours <laughs> in a process. And I, I laugh at four hours because it sounds long. But when you're talking about shit that matters to you, to someone who's listening to you, and you have the floor, and you're reciprocating, and you're feeling this energy exchange of validation and affirmation, that shit flies by. And you'll share more about your personal life and perspective with this total stranger than you will most <clears throat> with anyone else in your life because we're talking about shit that matters. What do I wish things, uh, what do I wish people knew about me? Why do I matter? What are three things I've given up on? You know, things that we are asking you to stand and speak your truth in front of someone to affirm yourself, to, to be vulnerable and to share the space with the other person. And that's all that happens in this process of kink and leather is we are holding space for someone to share with us who they are internally, spiritually. And we're going to reciprocate so that we can find this trust and be vulnerable with each other to do kinky things, right? To really be vulnerable, to say, yes, you can have my body. I trust you. But it doesn't come off of a checklist. That's the misconception. It doesn't say, well, what are you into? This is what I'm into. Let's see how our how our dots match up. That's how that's the issue with the community at the moment, is that's how it's being approached. And the relationships crash and burn really fast because once once our 15 minutes of fun is done, what are we gonna do? What are we talking about? Do I even like you? Right. I just have a question, uh, Joshua. Um, just going back to what you said about your um end of the end of life doula work specifically um are there certain 
kind of, I guess, philosophies or what what knowledge base do you go to in order to guide somebody um, through an end of life process? Are there, you know, certain spiritual, I guess, directions that you are, you know, more attuned to as opposed to others? Or like I said, maybe some philosophies that you use or what is it how to you know what what is the sort of the take us a little bit through the actual process and what are some of the tools that you use and where your knowledge in this comes from because i'm just interested so, to hear what that process looks like <clears throat> for somebody say you have a client come in like you said they're a cancer patient they know they roughly have 3 to 6 months to live what would that journey from when they come to you from day one to the end look like for them? So uh, each one is a case by case, uh, of course. <clears throat> if they're approaching me through NTSB, would be to totally different. That's not true. Not totally different. The road would be slightly different, actually, as if they were as opposed to hiring me as an end of life doula, not knowing about this part of the work that I do. We're going to sit, if if it's the non-traditional, we're going to talk about the end-of-life doula work first, and then we'll come into the NTSB. So if a person's interested in working with me, they're coming to me because they want to process things that have been left, left unsaid. They're looking to reconcile their relationships with their spirit before transitioning. In that process, what we're doing is we're reflecting and just sitting and talking about life. Tell me about yourself. And as they're telling me about themselves, I'll ask questions to get them to process and open up more about things that they have may have missed, things that they have joyed in. Essentially, the intention is to get them to reflect on their life, to think about the things that they've achieved, to think about the things that they haven't achieved. How can we move forward on achieving them from where we're at today? <clears throat> what are things they wish they had hoped? Um, and how do we bring completion to these two things they may feel they may have missed? Uh, relationships, processing those, uh, things that they feel they may have failed in life. And in these conversations, what I'm providing is shifting perspective. Um, my belief system is built around an experience I had during COVID. This is what put the, it made me, The system I have in place is through my own personal experience. There's a difference between believing, hoping, and knowing. And a lot of people float between believing and hoping. Not a lot of people have a lot of things that they know for fact. The knowing is where all the power lies, all the permissions. For example, do you believe in life after death? If you're transitioning and you're almost about to die, that's a very fucking important question to know. Mm. Some people do. Some people don't. Why or why not? Like, this is the road that we're going down because I need you to know if you can know, understand what you believe and you can understand what you know, there's peace in that. So June of 2020, I was sitting in my studio revamping the work that we were doing. COVID was in full swing. There was no income. What do we do? So we were building out this body for the intensive and the retreats that we have. But I was sitting here by myself, stumped. And I said out loud, I said, I wish someone could see all the work that goes into this. I wish they could say they were proud. And I left it at that. 
I spoke it out. I was fucking shamed. My face was in the ground. Like I was imposter syndrome, full, full blown imposter syndrome. Fast forward until August or September. And we were talking with a friend of ours who's in Arizona, who I hadn't spoken to in three years easily. And we were going out there to do a psychedelic journey. A lot of my belief in knowing comes from psychedelics, but I'll, I'll get into that in a second. There is a paradigm this is, this that is, does happen when you do psychedelics. Oh, hugely, hugely. So fast forward, we're talking, we're talking about um, psychedelics going out. We were uh, interviewing her to get a base understanding of just her life before going out to Arizona to sit with her for her journey. <clears throat> and um, before we hang up, she's, she's also a medium. So before we hang up, and I didn't believe in that shit. I was like, yeah, I take it or leave it. I need to see it to believe it. So before we hang up, she says, Joshua, there's a message for you. And she says, there's a woman here and she wants me to tell you that she sees all the work that you're doing and she's proud of you. My jaw was on the ground because I never shared that because that's, that was a weak moment for me. And she re repeated this to me and there was no way she would have heard. And we spoke a little bit longer and we determined that it was my grandmother. And my, I, was the, I was the grandson in the whole family, like out of like 30, 40 grandkids, like I was number one. And a couple months later, I was laying in bed and I realized I lost my fear of time. Oh my God, I gotta get this done. Life's too short, this, this and that. And I, it just stopped. Now imagine if you could just drop a fear, just drop it. That's what knowing brings. So taking these experiences and understanding just through countless hours of talking to people, trying to reconcile their relationship with their identity, bringing it to those who are advanced age, advanced illness, who are ready to talk about it at this point. It's like they need to unload. I, I will hold space for you. And I will walk you through this so that when the time comes, you can do so peacefully knowing that you, you kicked ass, right? Like I want you to live until the moment you don't. Did that help Maria? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the okay. clarification. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just interested in, you know, what exactly it is that you, um, yeah, how it looks like and what, um, you know, what it's grounded yeah. in basically so, how well, this also, process goes. We don't would also sit for an hour or two a week, depending on on what our regimen would be, depending on the goals that they set. Um, reconcile relate reconciling relationships is also something that I'll sit and I'll talk with them through. I don't give advice; I just ask questions and help them reframe reframe what it is they're looking at, unless they ask for advice. If they ask for advice, then I'll say, well. From where I'm sitting, this is what it looks like. These are the options that I would approach. Uh, <clears throat> but there's a book called, right next to me, The Four Things That Matter Most by Dr. Ira Biak, or Biak, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. And there's four key phrases in reconciling relationships, bringing them to completion. I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me, and I forgive you. You cover those four bases in processing what is our relationship and why is it like it and how can we move it forward? Look at it through that lens. Like what were the things that I'm at fault at? 
that I could have changed. I, where am I at fault? Like to say could have changed, it's like you're going back into the past. It's almost like having to understand and accept that I'm a human being. I made mistakes and I'm sorry. Right? And uh, I forgive you for the things that I perceived that you have done to me. And please forgive me for A, B, C, X, Y, and Z. And I forgive you for A, B, C, X, Y, and Z. Just to clear the slate. Mm-hmm. Right? Just to say, I don't hold any ill will. Like, I just want to be good. I could see, you know, it's interesting that as human beings, you know, the, you know, you, you work on two different fields. You work with the non-traditional and then you in the uh, end of life doula. But humans by, by nature, like there is this thing that we want to be free, lift up, like we want to remove these shackles, whatever that's, that's holding us back. And it's really coming to terms with all of this stuff, whether it's this, this shame, that this guilt that you have, that you can, you, you don't feel like you can express yourself as, you know, sexually that holds people back, which is reasons why people are not satisfied or they're not, they like sex, but they're not really enjoying it. It's because they're not being honest and they're not, they haven't freed themselves from, from the stuff that's holding with this, this, this judgment that we have on ourselves. And whether you're approaching, you're dying, you want to really be at peace with yourself. Now, I want to take it back to, uh, the non the non traditional sexual behavior. Is there a common thing that people express when they come to you? Like these, I could imagine if I'm coming in to a BDSM non traditional um, sexual behavior counseling, I would be like, "Hey, I don't feel like I'm I'm not kinky enough. I feel like I'm too vanilla." Yeah, that's that's um, a lot of it has to do with uh, affirming, letting people know. And it's always cliche shit, right? You're at the right place at the right time. You're just getting started. Life's journey, blah, blah, blah. It's all true. And that's what's tough about it, right? It's like we are shamed into thinking we're wrong for feeling the way we feel. We have no friends that we can share it with. This is a very broad brush. I'm going to paint it with a very broad brush. We have not many friends we can talk about it with because when we were in school, ha, 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 he jerks off right everyone does almost everyone but it's like we're shamed at every angle in our life into a box of conformity we have to ask ourselves and this is what this is what i I go through with the people who come like where did it start when was the first time we were put into into a position of saying "Uh uh-oh right like i got caught doing something because they're making me feel bad for doing it or for feeling it or for wanting to dress this way or for wanting to play with that, or because I walk funny, or because I sound funny, uh-huh. right? So it's like, it's it, it really boils down to our experiences growing up. <clears throat> I'm going to jump into the forgiveness thing real quick, and then I'm going to come back. Like, we would have to ask ourselves, what were the circumstances that our parents were raising us in, right? Because uh-huh. we want to, we can put the blame right away. But what were their circumstances? What hills were they climbing? What was the norm? What what struggles were they facing? What were you like when you were fucking 20? Right? Would you have been a better parent? I don't know. My circumstances are different. So helping them understand, and it comes back to belief, right? And, and what do you believe to be true for you? 
and talking through that process so that they can have the permission to say, well, this is who I really am. When they come to work with me, the intake form, it's a five-hour intake form. They're gonna, you're going to spend five hours on it. You'll get, we'll have our, second, our first session two weeks after you pay me because you're going to have to reflect on your whole life. Because when we sit down to talk, I want you to be able to talk to me about yourself. And I, I don't want you to have to, uh, well, it's like the person that goes to McDonald's and waits to get to the front of the line to look at the menu. I don't want that, that experience. <laughs> <All right. laughs> right? So we're going to sit and talk for at least six hours before I put my hands on you. Because I need you to get comfortable and confident in your body, in your language, in expressing yourself. Because it, I'm the beginning. You have the whole rest of your life to integrate and integrate everything you're going to experience here because I need you ultimately what I do. This is the, this is the trick. This is the wool over everyone's eyes. I'm trying to make better human beings through the guise of kinky sex, right? So imagine if I can help you find your value, your power, and not, not like, not to wield it like a weapon, because this is some powerful stuff. Self-awareness is a powerful tool. It is a hundred percent. That's to use true. it like a tool, to use it, to use it, to be productive, to plant the seeds and be the representation that you wish you had. Right. That's what I try to do. That's what I do. <laughs> that's not what I try to do. And that's it, what I do. It, I, it, I, that's, I think that's, that's fantastic because listen, when you know yourself, so it, there is this level of confidence that ends up, you start developing and it's a different type of confidence. It's not like a confidence that is like, a superficial that you've acquired because you've been conditioned. It's actually, Hey, I fucking know myself this deep. You can't fuck with me. Oh, you can't, you know, you can't. I just put knowing on that. I just wrote it's, knowing because you really, know yourself, you know yourself. And, and, and there is this factor that when you really know yourself, like, Hey man, like it's almost like, uh, I don't want to say this, but it's like kind of like knowing your shadow self. Um, I don't want to throw that out there because I might be saying it wrong, but it's really That's you, exactly you, it. knowing yourself sexually, knowing what you like on that primal level. It's a liberating thing that not a lot of people have the courage to do. We can go to therapy. We can drug ourselves. We can totally do all this stuff. That's very, I want to say conventional Maria. Is that correct? Is it a conventional approach? But really, yeah, you could say that a really like, you, there's things that in therapy with professional people you cannot do. And some programs like this really do have, for those who really want to work this way, it can work. There's a lot of, listen, there's different things out there, but this is one of them. I mean, this is why it's interesting when you hear these stories. Hey, you know, I'm a CEO. I'm, I'm in a powerful position, but I, I need to relinquish energy. I need to relinquish power. Like, I need to really, mm, really... Mm. Why can't they say that out loud? There's this shame that they're going to be considered looked at differently. And I love how you put that relinquish energy. I got goosebumps from that one. I've never ever <laughs> in my whole fucking time doing this. I've never heard that phrase. Well, thank but you. But it makes a whole ton of sense. Wow. That's a big one, dude. Look <laughs> at that. <laughs> well, it is because, you know, it's, it's, it's such a thing, you know, um, when you, there is this, vulnerable aspect to it when you really start learning about yourself but really when you start just relinquishing and just giving in and just really like okay i gotta do this for me not not for yeah. <laughs> but really for me yeah. so i can if i'm happy i'll be happy i'll make my my spouse happy i'll be a better 
partner. Um, now, let me ask you, people who want to, who are, uh, if, if, what do we, if someone wants to work with you, what do they need to know before coming? I know you talked about taking inventory and having this, but you, you specifically use BDSM. Um, as a kink, actually, I want to say you use kink as, as as to to help people. Is there something people need to know before seeking this type of uh, coaching? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Uh, give me one second. I got to put the words to that because that that I've not been asked a question that way before. Um. Wow, that's a good one, dude. Because <laughs> I, because I really, because that's a really good question, and there's a really solid answer. It has nothing to do with kink, and has everything to do with. No, that so, part so is let what me let me phrase it. You know, you 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 get people coming. Hey, I want to do my program. You you're the facilitator. You're the coach. I'm assuming you look at people, and there's people who'd be like, you know what? I can't work with you. I'm sorry. Like it's just it's 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 not thing against you. It's just you already know that you can't work with specific people and those people because for whatever a b or c well if, reason, if i were to say if i were to say that if you were to say it that way i'd say it's not about sex don't come to me about sex but that's not people won't don't come to me for sex so and right. it's like because who they're seeing before they even talk to me doesn't say sex it says something totally else i what i would it's and it's like because i don't want it to just be me i want it for them it to be for the person asking themselves to give themselves permission to do it. If it's me or if it's someone else, or if it's just picking up a book or going to a store to start, to start, start it. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's the word. Like to, if you're asking yourself, should I? Yes. <laughs> do it. Do it safely. Educate yourself. Do it slowly. Find a mentor. Ah, here we go. Find a mentor who doesn't want to have sex with you, who is on the same journey of identity who helps you feel seen and heard and safe. Do that. And that's fucking for everybody. Kink right. or not. It's like just for life. Particularly yes. in this journey, it's important because of the red flags and the dangers because people die doing this stuff. Right. Another thing people don't talk about, right? It's like to avoid getting into dumb situations, talk to people with experience. And this is the books. I'm sorry. The books are just fucking knowledge. Knowledge is great, but there's no wisdom in that shit. Right? You can't teach a person how to swim from a book. Right? Your ass needs to get into the water to understand that the water's wet and it's deep and you can't breathe in it. <laughs> right? It's like... Um, yeah, so it's a mindful process that you are basically yeah. having people come to, to yeah. explore. To explore really what it, it feels like. It, there's a, you know, a depth. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot deeper than what it seems to be on the surface from... What you are saying, it seems like people come to you because they have kind of a lot of garbage and false beliefs that they grew up with that have formed them to be a certain way or to think a certain way. And now they're trying to reconcile all that and kind of, you know, make sense of this mess. Now, and uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, we are taught certain things our whole lives. We hear certain things from our parents. We hear certain things from our teachers, from institutions. You know, now we have social media and the teller. There's everything. There's so, everything. every outlet is just bombarding us, you know, from the very beginning with all of this information. And then at some point, people get completely lost. They can't make sense of any of it. And um, you have learned so much. It seems like you know so much. But in the end, 
you don't know yourself. Right. And yes. that's where the right. that's where the journey really mm. is. It's to take everything that you actually learned, figure out how Throw much out of window. that is actually hurting you as opposed to helping you. Right. Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of gray area. There is. And like, figure out what the real beliefs are that are, you know, going to help you, well, either live a better life or come to terms with, you know, your end of life experience and make that a more comfortable journey. You brought an interesting point, Maria, um, about, you know, we're we're being bombarded with all this stuff. Take, for example, like how many people, this is how, not vulnerable, but this is how people don't know themselves. People watched Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm assuming a bunch of people were like, oh, I'm into BDSM. I can do that. I can, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and it's like, that's a romanticized version. Yes, there's some truth within the, the stuff. but <laughs> And then they end up walking into this world and boom. Oh, my God. I you start discovering things start happening they start discovering other sides of themselves but really this is not what they want but it's just they just it's because they took that initiative because they went in blindly thinking that this is what they wanted but what ends up happening is like oh fuck like i really don't know myself like maybe, i bit off more than i can chew at the moment <laughs> yeah like maybe right. this is not for me but I, I can tell you this is what i like you know but that's the thing is that you know we are being told what we like, what we don't like, what we should be thinking, how we should be feeling, what we need to like, like what we need. And you think you're in control, but it, it you, you, you're not in control until you really know yourself sexually, which builds the confidence to really know yourself on that primal level. And I'm not, when I say sexually, I'm not saying like having sex, but really knowing what you like on that deep level, intimate level will for really propel you in the in, in your direction, right? Not in the direction of like, well, hey, you know, but let me, um, uh, so the people that are coming to you, I just want to know this, like, they're not coming for when, for, for like, hey, I'm into BDSM, I want to do the non-traditional sexual behavior counseling. It's not like that, right? Uh, or is it people be like, hey, I'm into BDSM and I think this might work for me. Um, both of those and uh, <clears throat> about about both of those are correct for some it's about how does this how can i integrate this into my life is this for me uh for others it's i trust you so i will give you my vulnerability and i would like to build on my journey through a vulnerability and experience through you directly um for others it's around personal development and skill building to go through their bottom as uh, to go through their experience as a bottom to be better doms. Right. Okay. Um, for some, it's the introspective journey just to sit and talk about it. That's really good. Who do we like? You're also, let me compliment you. You're fucking phenomenal, dude. I really enjoy Thank your taste. You. Like you're on it. Have you gone out and done any of this stuff? <laughs> That's uh, um, I mean, I've done, I've dabbled in it, but nothing like of that nature where, you fully like dive deep dive diving. I don't know, Maria. Have you? <laughs> no, definitely. I've not. I definitely no, have listen. not had Li a deep dive into the, you know, not not into be not into BDSM is what it you know, I guess what traditionally BDSM is. Yeah, but I like yeah, I really like the aspect about you know using your imagination 
And we also talked about this with Dana. We had another Kink and coach wellness here, coach, who, yeah. Kink and Wellness Coach. What I think is great about it is that, you know, it brings you back to using your imagination and being able to, you know, uh, think about all kinds of imagine different types of situations. Like, you know, when you were a kid, you could pretend to be a cat or a dog oh, or right. a monkey and whatever it was. And everybody around you thought it was cute. And everyone encouraged. When, when did that stop, right? Yeah, and, and everyone encouraged it, and you felt like you could do anything. And it, you know, there was uh, when when we are young, there isn't really. And this is what I think you're saying: the sexual aspect if, of that imaginative act that's really not present for a child. It's just the full belief of being able to you know, fully believe that whatever comes to your mind, whatever it is that you're pretending, whatever scenario that you're playing out, a kid is so fully engaged in it and so confidently engaged in it that everything else around them just ceases to exist. Because if you watch kids in imaginative play, it's it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing that they see because they're so present and they're so connected. Everything around them it's just they don't they don't see anybody else, you know, they don't forget that the parent is there. They're completely and fully immersed in that experience. And there you could see how much joy, uh, you know, and how light it is and how playful it is. And that, I think, is what we as adults really we lose that, you know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of um, strange thoughts about, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? And as, a, as an adult, when we grow up. So I think really going back to the imaginative act of that and being comfortable with that and understanding that you, as long as it's safe and nobody gets hurt, it's consensual, you understand what you're doing, you have your information, you know, you're in control of the situation, you're not just mindlessly there, have no idea what's going on and going to step on somebody's throat and choke them to death by accident, you know, (laughs) as long, but you know. As long as, like I said, you went through the process of understanding where you're going with this, it, it, you know, sounds like it could be a fun playing ground and something that is really, you know, um, worth exploring for, well, for and, people. And, and and that's the thing is that, the, you know, it's like, this is why the book, The Little Prince is so, we've talked about this where at the beginning he says, when we were little kids, we had imagination. And then as we get older, yeah. we've been conditioned because of, of life and reality. But listen, like, kink and 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 bdsm is all around us like you know there's you know if you like someone smacking your ass your spouse that's part that's 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 a little bit of 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 kink uh people who say man i love people in uniform hello (laughs) that's that's that that, you know why people why 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 are people turned on with with people in uniform because it's that that power dynamic you know like men in uniform women in uniform or, you know, the waitress and the maid. It's it's the dynamics and people don't understand that. And they're like, hello, we all have a little bit of that in us. And power exchange exists everywhere. everywhere. Every relationship. And that's is what power really exchange. it is. It's power yeah. exchange. Like in relationships, you know, there's always one dominant and one 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 some not submissive, but one yeah, one submissive. There's that that's reality. And to put a stigma on these things and condition us to like feel guilty about it. It's total bullshit because we really need to be really just approach it in a healthy way. I'm not saying like, yeah. Hey, go and like, <laughs> you know, I don't know if this happens, but I'm not saying that like BDSM is not like, 
you know, stabbing someone, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know yeah, like, yeah. In go, the middle of, like, be, like, all, like, saw, you know, <laughs> like, you know, some, like, you know. Go really. and stuff a ball down your partner's throat and, you know. You know, but really, um, it's it's great. Um, Joshua, we're running out of time here. If people want to get a hold of you and really learn more about your 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 counseling and everything that you, you do, what's the best way to get a hold of you? The best way would be to reach out to me through masterjoshua.com. Uh, I give free 30-minute consultations. Like my my approach is it's not if I can help you, it's how. Right. All I do is ask you the right questions. Most of this information you know already. It's already locked in your body. It's locked in your mind. We just have to open those doors. I'm thankful I've been doing this long enough that I've got a very good sequence of questions that kicks a lot of doors open really fast. Uh, with that being said, masterjoshua.com, uh, kinkcollective.net, K-I-N-K collective.net. That's where uh, the retreats and intensives are hosted, are posted, uh, as well as the events that we host uh, throughout the months. And then ssdce.org, which stands for Sanctuary for Spiritual Development and Consciousness Expansion, is where you can contact me for the end-of-life doula work and uh, counseling work through the lens of NTSB that isn't directly with uh, <clears throat> directly tied to BDSM. All right. Thank you so much, Joshua. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. I am your host, Romeo. And I'm your co-host, Maria. And as usual, thanks for listening, guys. Till next time. Thank and you Joshua, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.